0: and give wild South Florida welcome to Pastor Robbie Johnson as he brings the fuego. Preach it up. Hey, good to be here. You guys sit down, you guys sit down. Um, Jesus gets a standing ovation. That's about it, so uh, that's about it. Hey, it's good to be here with you guys. Really honored to uh, um, finish up this series Live Green. Um, I watched John's sermon from last week and he preached so long, It, it, it made me, I got an hour now, right, John? I got an hour, I got an hour. Um, you know, walking walking the halls here um, on this campus just brought back so many memories this morning. Um, I'm so proud of this church, so proud of this church, so proud of John and Nancy and Robert and Karina and the leadership team here and all you guys. Seeing Billy Saul, I remember one of the first Sundays being here. Where's Billy? He's, he's around here somewhere. He's right here and Linda, and so... I remember being a part of the birthing and to see you know, the values of heaven on earth in this church, which are there's a God-seeking value we have that we're gonna seek the face of God. I was in pre-service prayer. That had to be some of the, the best pre-service prayer I've been in in a long time, Karina and Jamie. I was like, I, it was awesome, it was awesome. And the diversity in this community, the authenticity. I, where's I, come on, man, and Zach and the team. I'm like, I'm so thankful to be a part of this community, and even um, over the past, this pandemic, I'm on the phone with John every week at least once usually, and some weeks too, it's according to how bad both of our lives are going, sometimes two and three times, so I have grieved with this community over the loss of some loved ones, I have rejoiced with this community over the victories that have happened in this pandemic, and, uh, and I am deeply excited about where this church is going. I mean, deeply excited and encouraged. And even I, was, I didn't, I wasn't planning to be a greeter on the front door, but I got in a conversation and then a storm of you came through and I was just greeting everyone. I was like, Lord, this, this church is just great. And it's, it's diverse, not just ethnicity, but that, you know, I'm in that prayer meeting with Jamie and Miss Jamie, and she's just praying for old people, to, or not just ordinary people, the OP, this is what she said, not ordinary people, but old people <laughs> to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. There's a vision for middle schoolers, there's a vision for um, wiser ones, I like to call them, wiser ones, and there's a vision for you to become all God has designed you to be in this community. And I'm really glad you're here, I'm really glad you're with us online on this morning. So if you've got a Bible, take it to the book of Matthew. You can turn it on your phone, a lot of the scriptures will be up on the screen. We're gonna continue this Live Green series. Let me tell you a little bit of my journey. I was a pool hustling drug addict in college, literally. I, Still can beat you in pool left handed, probably. So, uh, and I'm right handed. Um, I, I, I was a pool hustler the night before I met Jesus. I was at a bar at two in the morning, took about 300 bucks from a guy, smoked out, went to my apartment alone, sad. Um, fearful of everything in life. And the next day in college, I was trying to get back into college. I'd fell out of college and I was studying to get back in. And this girl shared the gospel with me. My life got changed. I mean, I got in that library, July 7th, 1998. I was like, I met heaven came to earth and my heart and it changed me. I mean, like I was, no, I was a drug addict and I was shifted. I mean, my addictions gone. I mean, everything about my life changed. I still, I still <laughs> I talked to a guy the other day that I was working with at Publix as a, in the grocery store. And I, the next day after I come to Christ and i would met Jesus, I walk into the grocery store and I was like, hello, everyone. I have met God. It was, and everyone was like, uh, what drug did you try now? I was like, no, 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 this one's pure. You know, this one is the real green, you know, and uh, I, I mean, I got so lit up and I experienced a joy that, um, was lasting and real and deep and meaningful. And then all, all I wanted in life and I become what I even have titled this sermon, I started chasing after God all I longed for was the presence of God. We would have all night prayer meetings. We would drive wherever we heard that God was moving. And a lot of you guys are younger, so you don't know in the late 90s, in the early 90s into the late 90s, when I came to Christ in 98, there was like revivals breaking out and there would be hot spots where God's presence would show up. And we were what we call God chasers. And we would drive hours and hours and hours to get to church services and, and just full disclosure, God was showing up and people were getting blasted. I, and I remember, I remember being in church services and I'm like, you sense it. And at that moment, you do two things. First of all, you're like, is there any sin because I'm gonna die right now and if there's sin, I repent. And then you kind of got in the river and it changed. We would drive to Pensacola. Anybody heard of Brownsville Revival at Brownsville Revival back in the day? Crazy, crazy, crazy. There's even a book. I think I have a picture of the book. It's called God Chasers, I think. Yeah, God Chasers, Tommy Tenney. I don't know where the guy, is now but he wrote this book because they experienced the real move of God. So early on in my discipleship journey, I became like passionate, hungry, longing for the presence of God. And I would drive anywhere, go anywhere. We'd sit in our micro churches, or we didn't call them that at that point, and we just worship and just like, I just, we'd wait and we'd listen and we were so hungry for the power and the move of God and we experienced it. It was great. I loved it. To so some of you in here this morning, and maybe you're, I don't know where your hunger is for God, but on some level, humanity, hunger for God is set in the heart of humans. We long to know God, the God of this universe. There is a hunger that has been set in our heart to pursue, to know, to experience God. And that, my friend, is good. It is not bad. It's a beautiful desire that God has given humanity. Eternity is set in the heart to know and experience God. And in this this series on Live Green, the final verse of this series is surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The greatest testimony of being a disciple maker or a passionate follower of Jesus is God will be with you when you are on his mission. You're like, where is God? When you are on mission with God, he is with you. So I was praying Wednesday morning for this message right now. And I was like, Lord, where do you wanna go with this? And he took me through the book of Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, if you are hungry for God, there are four places, there may be more, but there are four distinct places that if you are hungry for God, the book of Matthew says you can find God in these places. You guys ready? You got your phones, write them down right now. You got a pen, write them down. The first one's gonna be in Matthew chapter 6, verse six. I think it's verse six. Matthew chapter 6, verse six, and it says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you are looking for God and you are hungry for God, God can be found in the secret place. He can be found when you go into your closet and you shut the door and you are alone with expectation to meet him. There is a promise in scripture, and this would be the first point. If you're looking for God, this is in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to go chronologically to the very end of the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, he's like, listen, if you're looking for God, the place you can always find him is in the secret place. And what I'd love to do even right now, there's a book called Secrets of the Secret Place, which is phenomenal. A lot of our church is kind of like foundational for our heart, for God. And in this book, it's 52 chapters. What I love about it is a lot of the chapters are three pages. So I feel like such a success at the beginning of my day when I read it. Th- is anybody else? Even though it was three chapters, like I read a chapter in a book today just a, a book? It's like, well, what was it? It was just a chapter. That's all that matters. You know, just saying that. Um, I listened to, you know, I read a book. What'd you do? I listened to them five times speed on Audible. Did you get anything? No, but I listened to a book, you know? And so um, anybody have any friends like that? Anybody? Don't, don't nudge anybody. But um, um, this book particular is a journey of like how to maximize that secret place. And chapter two is this chapter that's marked my place and it's called Shut the Door. Shut the door. motives are purified and why you want God is purified when only you and God know why you're there and that you're there. Everything changes when it's just you and God. Don't tweet about it. Don't Facebook about it. Don't Instagram. Don't tell your friends, I'm shutting the door right now. If you tell them that you're with them kind of in your head. Does that make sense? You've lost, all, you've lost the reward that's coming So if you wanna find God, I dare you, I dare you to stand outside your bedroom door, your closet door, some space where no one's gonna know, and you almost have a threshold right there, and you're like, it's Monday, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., some of y'all, noon, 1, whenever you're like getting your day, and you're like, all right, here I go, I'm gonna shut the door. Everything's gonna change because Jesus said, Jesus said, now listen, everything I'm gonna talk to you about is the red letters. I'm talking about this God passion and you can find God, and I'll talk about it in a second, corporately, but there's an expectation that when you cross that threshold, you shut the door, God is there with you, and he will reward you. And I'm telling you, like this is what I love about God. Someone's like, you should only serve God, you should only serve God because he's God and not for rewards. Yes, but let's just be honest, we are motivated and stirred by rewards. Can someone say amen to that? We wanna know the grade. I don't even wanna know my grade. I just wanna study hard and give it my best effort. I don't even care the grade, all I want is a pass fail. Who, no one wants that, right? Well, some of you, but I mean. For the most part, there's reward. What I love about this passage, in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about prayer, giving, and fasting. He says, when you do this, when you get alone with me, I'll meet you there, and I'll reward you. I mean, David, remember David that killed Goliath? Everyone knows that story, right? The sling, boom, he's the man. Everyone's like, he was so pure. He's a man after God's own heart. Do you know why David killed Goliath? I mean, as I, taught, I was taught in Sunday school, like, because he was defying the name of the Lord thy God. And I was like, that is true. That's part of it. But they said, hey, he heard the guy, he heard Goliath yelling. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, what's he doing? And then, then he found out, this is what's beautiful, that King Saul had said, anybody who kills Goliath, I will give half the kingdom and my daughter in marriage to them. So if you read the story in 1 Samuel, David's like, oh, really? Like you think he's just zealous for the glory of God? No, David had a hot chicken mind and a lot of money. <laughs> and that's why he killed David. He even went over to like three different ty- three different groups of people and he's like, "Hey, that got glass pretty tough." And he's like, "What's uh what's the king going to give to uh the guy who does that, you know, just, I mean, I'm asking for my friend over here. Three different times, once he discovered the reward, now listen, he was zealous for the name of, the name of God, and, and Goliath was defying the name of God. He was zealous for that, but his heart was like, there's a reward. It is okay to understand that there's a reward in seeking God. There's a reward in getting along with him, and I want you to anticipate getting rewards. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God because anybody who comes to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's a beautiful space. Tomorrow, if you're looking for God in your life, this is the yellow area, the worship area. Get to the threshold of your bedroom door and be like, and don't get distracted by how dirty it is. Don't get distracted by everything else. But like and shut the door, leave the phone outside, shut the door, and get alone. And you can expect that you're gonna walk in, you're gonna meet with God. And when your faith meets his promises, boom! Expect the move of God in your life. You're looking for God, Matthew chapter six, verse six, get in a secret place. Next is in Matthew chapter 18, and I deal with even said this scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he shows up. God has committed in his scriptures to meet you in the secret place. And when you corporately gather in his name, God loves meeting his people at church, at church. Now, listen, culturally, there was a shift where you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm like you, I don't, I got saved in a library. Like, I, like Santa Fe College library. It wasn't like a church altar. So I get in, like, I remember Mike hired me to be his youth pastor at Greenhouse Church in Gainesville, like, in 2002. And he's like, hey, you a youth pastor. I was like, well, what is that? He goes, well, just, like, love Jesus and make disciples of teenagers. And I was like, how do I do that? And he's like, just pray, and you'll figure it out. And I was like, what best advice. <laughs> but it, it slowly worked out. I didn't have the, um, the understanding. So when people say culturally right now, like, man, I just get Starbucks with a friend. Or I go to a coffee shop with a friend, and we go out to eat, and we kind of hang out, and that is my church. Listen to me. That is nice, and it is probably helpful, and it's probably fulfilling, but that is not biblical church. It is not. Unless there is worship and genuine, authentic community, and you're gathered in his name, the worship mission community, that is the ingredients for church. And some people are like, ah, I'm like, a... no, no. Listen to me. I would, I wouldn't want to raise the expectation that as you walk through the doors and you gather in Jesus' name in a house, in your micro church, in this school. Church is the people of God gathered in his name for worship mission community. That is church. It's not just humans getting together talking about life. You unpack the scriptures at church. You worship Jesus at church. You share and you pray for one another at church. And I would say this. I have had some of the greatest encounters with God at church. I mean, like things that are like, what just happened? I mean, like blasted in ways where I have my doubts. If you're like me, I have doubts. I I mean, I had a massive encounter with God, totally transformed. And then I'm just like Elijah. Elijah gets used by God to call down fire. Then he's sitting under a tree being like, oh God, do you even exist? You know, all of us have that like kind of psychotic relationship. We're like, God, you're so real. I love you. I'll give everything. And then it's like Monday and you're like, do you, are you even real? You know, it's like, We have this, like we can all experience that, right? But I've had moments with God that only God could have done that. Things God has said, and I'm telling you, they have happened in church. I've been in altar times where someone prayed for me, and I felt a bolt of bolts of lightning shoot through my body, and I am changed, physically healed, mentally healed. There's massive mental health issues all throughout society, and there's lots of ways to be able to deal with them. In the same way with physical health. Sometimes God heals and sometimes you need to go to the doctor and sometimes you need to do a little bit of both, right? Same thing with mental health. There's some issues that some of us need medication. And then sometimes God's going to come in and rewire your brain. And it's by His grace which one the path you have to go on. But man, I'm telling you, I have been in church, and I want to raise the expectation. Those of you online that can get to church and be a part of church, you feel safe enough in church. Get to church, and when you walk through the doors, the same way. I'm telling you, God, God's promises in your faith are catalytic. So when you're talking about the secret place, cross the threshold. I would want to raise the expectation when you're showing up here, when you're showing up in your microchurch, as much as possible, you're bringing that faith along with his promises that when two or more gather in his name, church happens. Church happens. There was a series we did maybe six or seven years ago, John, you remember, it's called The Revolution. And we said, every time you gather in Jesus' name, there's an opportunity for sudden, sweeping, marking change sudden sweeping marking change every time you get together and I feel that like I I'm telling you guys I've been I'm I'm like a company guy right I've been like employed by the church for 20 years I still walk into this morning I'm like what's about to happen we're gathered in his name oh my gosh he's coming (laughs) And I I, I genuinely still expect like any moment, someone's gonna come up to me in service and be like, I have a word from God for you. I have had that happen. And I've spent a lot of time in church. I mean, so many stories. And this is what's interesting. It's always sudden. That word sudden, like, whoa, it's never like I thought it was. It's never, it's rarely ever the time it's the peak of the song. It's always the in-between moments. Like, I'm walking to, like, the kids' area, and someone says, like, hey, I da da And I'm like, whoa. Someone It's always sudden. God is always sudden because he wants you to know when it happens, it was him. When you get in church, man, expect the sudden. Secondly, if you're not getting the sudden, give the sudden. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. Y'all missed that. I think there's a space where you come to church, and it is all about you because you are hurting. And that is okay we all have those moments in season where you're not walking anticipating, you're walking in like somebody needs to bring the sudden to me today, right? Because I'm not expecting anything. And you, but listen, there's sometimes you need to bring the sudden. You need to bring the power, bring the unction, bring the prophetic words from God to people. I was in a church service, true story. I mean, God has shaped my life from church services. I was in one, this was a prayer meeting actually, like two, two or three months ago. And in the, in the climate we're all in, everyone's, questioning everything about their whole lives in general right shifting major job changes major everything and I'm like I'm asking God all these questions God am I supposed to be doing this am I supposed to be here mom what am I supposed to do and I had a conversation on a Wednesday with one of our staff members and in that conversation just him and I we said something to each other that was like it was clear okay Robert you're supposed to be here it was like the moment like like boom I walk out of there, I was like, that was a profound moment, very releasing for me. We have a prayer meeting that night. We talk on spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. I was like, hey, be sudden, bring the suddenness. And uh, he's like, hey, we're gonna practice these. And they just start doing stuff. I'm like, hey, I need to go to my office. I'm gonna work on something. So I go to my office. I get in my office and I'm like working on something. And someone comes banging on my door and opened up as one of the older Spanish ladies in the church. And I'm not even gonna try to interpret her accent. It was awesome though. And she said, (laughs) she says, Pastor Robbie, where'd you go? And I was like, here. She's like, I have a word for you. She's like, when Pastor Mike said, I looked for you and you were gone. You were like the wind. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) he's like, but I have a word for you. I was like, okay. And she sat down she's like, the Lord told me to tell you and said the exact same thing that I had said, someone had said to me five hours earlier. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I was at church. So when you hear that story, you're like, why can't someone knock on my office and give me a word? I would challenge you to not find yourself as the hero of the story, but maybe the suddenness of the story. Maybe ask the question, can I be, can I be an Isamar? Can I? Who can I bring heaven to? Because when you have a bunch of people bringing heaven, you have heaven happen. A lot of us, and I think it's very natural, we're very narcissistic society where we're like, what did church do for me? And I think all of humanity needs moments of that. The maturity side is, what can I bring this morning? When I was in those moments of genuinely chasing God, man, it was so fun, I would would be a greeter. And this is before I was on staff, and I would be a greeter. And I would come early and I'd pray over every chair. And and as people were coming in, I'd be like, guess what? They're like, what? And I was like... I planted some spiritual bombs in that auditorium. There's 10 of them. Be careful where you sit, you know. (laughs) You can't do that now. That sounded very weird. Some spiritual blessings. I planted some spiritual blessings and it's only for 10 people according to where they sit. And I remember some people were just like, what? And some people were like, uh. And then they'd walk, they cross the threshold of church in a different way. If you're going through the book of Matthew, you're guaranteed you're gonna find God in the secret place and I'm telling you, as you gather in his name and you genuinely have church, expect the suddenness of God in church. In Matthew 20, chapter 25, though, it says you can find God in another place. It tells the story of the sheep and the goats. People that are like his children or not. And he says this beautiful passage. He's like, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. When you've clothed them, when you brought them food, when you visit people in the hospital, when you've, um, cared for the poor, when you've, um, and it gives this list, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. I would say this, if you went to the secret place and you're like, oh, no, that's not sensing me and you're coming to church, you're not sensing me. I'm telling you, God is always with the poor. They are a Mago day, And if you want to find God, get with the poor, get with the broken, get with the humble. Don't, don't. Um, despise the panhandler in your heart and your mind. Genuinely, if you can't give anything, pray for them. I mean, James talks about it. He's like, man, what good is your faith if someone has clothes and you say that has no clothes and no daily food and you say to them, go, I wish you well, right? There is a, uh, um, a way that God is with the poor like he is with no one else in all of humanity. They are imago Dei. And you're like, well, they don't deserve it. Exactly as if you deserve it, as if we deserve it. And if you give and someone takes advantage of you, feel the heart of God in that moment because God is giving to humanity and humanity is taking advantage of him over and over and over again. There's a way, listen to me, I wanna say this, you can find him in a secret place tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow, you can find him here in church and you will always find him when you are caring for, loving and genuinely being with the poor. It's God's heart. It's his passion. His and Tim Keller says it best, and I think this have this quote. The church sometimes is so concerned about itself that it's becoming marginalized. If the church does not identify with the marginalized, it will itself be marginalized. This is God's poetic justice. <laughs> the establishment of the church is to care for the weak and the broken and to fight injustice that's toward the poor. The establishment, we are supposed to be strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. There, if you are strong, praise God for your strength. Use your strength for the weak. I'm telling you, I, have, I find God and I have serious moments of like I'm alone with God and my motives are purified because when you're alone with God, you're not bragging about it, you're not tweeting about it, no one's going to know about it. Your motives get pure of why you are actually having a relationship with God. <laughs> This a bit true. I mean, a lot of times when we're alone with God, it's, it becomes about we want to tell people, in my quiet time, I was praying for you. You know, <laughs> we want some applause. When no one knows about your fasting, no one knows about your giving, and no one knows about your prayer life, it really purifies your motives a lot of like, why are you doing it? Are you using God, or do you really want to know God? I, I rem, I'll never forget when I first started following Jesus, I had a church service and I was chasing God. The problem is I was only trying to find God at church. I was only like coming to church a lot. And I was, it, and it, it marked me, it changed my life. Probably six months of following Jesus, I was at my home, um, home church, which is in a small town. And I was worshiping right here, and like the altars, like an altar time at the end and I was just, The worship team was going, I was just praying. And um, this woman came up to me and she said, hey, listen, uh, my son is in a juvenile detention center. He's really struggling. Can you go visit him? I feel like God's gonna use the minister to him. So I'll never forget, I I went to that. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do anything to help. And I said, where's he at? And it was over in in like a nearby town, probably like 45 minutes away. So uh, I drove over there and I went and visited him. And it was a, a meridian center and there was probably uh, 16 young men in there all like teenagers and they were out most of them when baker acted they're going to spend three to six months there um working on their mental health trying to help them get control a lot of them were suicidal and i visited with this young kid and um but then i i was like what is happening in here and i was in that moment like what's happening i asked the director i was like what's happening in this place what are y'all doing and they're like well we just basically keep them from killing themselves." and i was like Oh, I mean, what else? Well, that's about it. Medicate them, uh, make sure they're kind of keeping up with their studies. And I was like, "Is there any Jesus in here?" And they're like, "He's like, huh?" <laughs> I was like, and I was like, "Could I come and like do a Bible study with them?" And uh, and this is where God will redeem your past sometimes. And he's like, uh, he's like, "I mean, I mean, I guess you have to like check on stuff." I said, "Great." I said, "I'll come over on like a, a Monday night." And uh, so I came over on Monday night. I'll never forget. I walked in with my Bible and. Uh, I said, hey, guys, I want to do a Bible study over in this room. No, the guy said, he's like, hey, this is Robbie. Uh, he, he's going to do a Bible study here on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. Uh, you're welcome to join him. It'll be over in this room. And all the guys looked at me, snarky, laughed. No one came. I went to get him back the next week. No one came. I went to get back the next week. Talking about deflating. No one came. And then finally, I think it was the third week, I walk in, and they're all shooting pool. Yes. I was literally like... I was, like, uh, I was like, oh, you guys play fool? And they're like, oh, you want some of this preacher, boy? And I was like, oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a go at it. <laughs> I beat all 15 of them in 45 minutes. It was like next week, all of them came to my Bible study, every single one of them. And I got to be honest with you. like, I, Some of my greatest moments in that season, probably two years, I would go and I would I remember I was broke as a joke as a college student, so I went to this Christian bookstore in Gainesville, and I was like, hey, uh, I'm discipling a bunch of teenagers, and there's about 15 of them, but every week there's a new one and people are leaving, so I mean, I need free Bibles, and I want their name on them, engraved on them, and I want leather, nice Bibles, because they matter to God, even though they're not rich. (laughs) The guy's like, who's gonna pay for them? I was like, I thought you could. Do you you care about the poor? (laughs) Do you you care about hurting young (laughs) men? great and he i got bibles and with their names engraved on them and uh for the, every single boy that would come through there i was like oh cool and um i even named the group it was like a little youth group we called ourselves the fire starters or something like that it was awesome it was it was a cool season um I, 15 years later crazy story i just thought about this no i was almost 20 years later i ran into the bookstore guy like 20 years later had a cool prophetic sudden moment with him that would blow your mind one of those moments that's crazy you know if you're looking for God and a lot a lot of you may have a Christian background you may be Christians or maybe you're not but if you're looking for God get alone open up your Bible and expect come to church expecting to the suddenness of God or to bring the suddenness of God I'm serious like let your let your mind wander sometimes in worship of like God is there anything you're saying to someone in this room that you want me to tell them Participate in the move of God that he's doing here in this church. And then you can find him with the poor. And lastly, you'll find him on mission. And this is the, the passage we've been preaching through in Matthew chapter 28, that you all have memorized, amen. And he says that Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus. Now listen, you back up. He got offered authority on earth, resisted it in Matthew chapter four, and now he has all authority in heaven and earth. He's got, he's got the authority to tell us what to do, just so you know. <laughs> like, who's gonna tell me what to do? Jesus, okay, you know. <laughs> Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He commissions us baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. And this is what I love. And surely, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What I love about making disciples is in in the mission of making disciples, you can find the presence of Jesus. He commissioned us to go and the most exciting part about going is the, the formation in people and disciples that make disciples and make disciples and being obedient to Jesus. But in making disciples, you find Jesus. You know what, Andrew, in his microchurch leadership, he's going to make disciples. You know where Andrew is at. The guy, I, I just love him. Like, I was like, oh, this, this, this whole crew up here. I was like, yes. But in your. Um, obedience to Jesus, it's not just what you're doing, you're gonna find him, it's it's the promise of his presence. You back up and this is where uh, Matthew's an interesting book because Matthew was written to a primarily Jewish community, right? So he's trying to convince people that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And so um, if you back up to like the book of Joshua, which is a foresight of Jesus to come because Moses had taken the people of God out of Egypt, out of Egypt. You guys remember this? The prince of Egypt, right? And then he handed to Joshua, and God said, go Joshua, I'll be with you as you're going into the promised land. See, Moses, and this is, it's funny, because Jesus was on a mountain telling us to go and make disciples. Moses was on a mountain, and all the time, the writer of Matthew is always saying, hey guys, listen, Moses was great, and the Hebrew people would love Moses, and Moses was, Uh, you know, loved by God, the most humble man on the earth. And the Hebrew people would love Moses. And they're like, listen, and he was always connecting the dots. Like, listen, there was a liberator from your physical captivity, but now there's a liberator from your spiritual captivity. There's not just authority on earth like Moses had to free you from Pharaoh. There's authority in heaven and earth to liberate you, spirit, soul, and body. You know what's crazy about our culture, and country, we are the most liberated externally, but we are the most captive internally. And the answer is Jesus. We don't need Moses. We need Jesus. <laughs> we need Jesus. It was all prophesying what was to come, which is like, as you go, you're going to experience his power and his grace. And this morning, here's how we're going to close. And I, I'm so excited about this moment. We're gonna, I'm going to have some altar workers come up here, and we're going to pray for you And you're gonna get to experience God in a real and powerful way. Now, altar workers, not to put any pressure on you, (laughs) as you pray in Jesus' name over people, God's kingdom is gonna come to them. And this is what I love about praying for people. Those of you who will pray and those you're about to pray for people, it's not about your pretty prayer. (laughs) It's not about the uh, levels of how loud you pray. It's the authority of whom you're praying for. With, so when I pray for someone, and I say, "In Jesus' name, be healed." When in Jesus' name, joy come. In Jesus' name, anxiety broken. In Jesus' name, all of a sudden, it's almost like, "Hey guys, listen. I really don't have that much. I really like struggle with doubts and fears, but I'm in a position of authority under authority. So, in Jesus' name, kingdom come. We were praying in pre-service prayer for those of you who lack joy. It was a beautiful moment of anticipation that joy is going to break out all over this room right now. That you're going to have, yeah, come on, man. That, like, there's been like a, a heaviness, a, 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 like a, just a heaviness that's going to be released. Someone, when Pastor John prayed, while ago, just praying for God's grace and power to move on your life. We're going to believe right now that he's going to complete that. So I don't know what you came in with. If you need something from God this morning, he's going to meet you. I have anticipation that he's gonna meet you. Maybe some of these altar workers will have prophetic words for you where they're just gonna send something to say from God. Maybe they won't, no pressure on them. If God gives them something, great. If not, I've been in so many prayer sessions where someone's like, give me a word. And I was like, I got nothing. And they're like, what, give me something. And you're like, hey, listen, I only have what God gives me. So he, he didn't give me anything for you. I've, altar workers feel no pressure to perform whatsoever, but be conduits of his presence. And we're gonna see his kingdom come. Listen, if you need soul liberation, You've never met Jesus. So glad you're here with us. Welcome to this community of people that are in love with God and are journeying together to be like him to this earth. That's who we are. Listen, you are so welcome here. Even if you don't believe in Jesus and you're like, ah, I don't believe this message. Come back and just hang out with us. You fit here, all right? We're all in between in our journeys. You are welcome here. But can I promise you this? If you surrender your life to Jesus... The behavior modification that the church tries to make, that's not what we're going for. Jesus promises a heart transformation. That's what he brings. What happened to me in that library 23 years ago was not behavior modification. It was heart transformation, which led to behavior modification. We love Jesus and Jesus changed our life and we would love to introduce you to him. So when I have this altar team come up here right now, they will talk to you, pray with you, and introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to do that. So why not you stand with me all over the room. If I can get some of our altar team come up here. And I believe you guys can lead us in a, a course. And we're going to sing a course right now. And as the altar work team, now come up masked up. We'll be safe with this. And uh, um, if, you, if you can, altar works to be masked. But also if you're coming up for prayer, we'd love for you to be masked up too. Um, and we're going to have a time of prayer where if you need something from God, you won't pray of any kind. Um, We'd love to pray with you before you go. They're going to lead us, and then Pastor John will come up and dismiss us in just a second. Let me pray. Lord, thank you.